This edition of the Generations Radio program originally aired in 2019. For additional shows on hundreds of topics, search our archives at generations.org. And welcome, friends, to the Generations Radio broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. I'm a homeschool father of five and a husband of Brenda. And uh, we have been launching off into a multi-generational quest to rediscover what it is to be a, a biblical husband, a biblical father. And uh, that, that, I would say, began with my grandfather and then my father and then me. And so it seems as if this quest for Christian manhood has been a multi-generational quest for uh, the Swanson generations. And so thankful for a godly grandfather and a godly father. And uh, now we're passing on a vision for this to uh, my son, and uh, and hopefully it will continue through the generations. But today we're going to talk about masculinity. Seventy percent of young men are not grown up by 30 years of age, that's up from 30% in 1970. We've quoted that stat from Newsweek magazine for now six or seven years. So it may be worse than it was when the statistic first came out. 70% of young men not grown up, they don't have jobs, they're not getting married. Um, and there are so many bad forms of masculinity, so many bad examples of masculinity when 50 to 60% of little boys are born without fathers, up from 6% in 1960. We're losing examples of godly fatherhood and manhood, and that's going to affect the future families and the churches in human society. So what is it to be a man? There are so many bad forms of masculinity. There's the macho man, the man who's given a tough language, packing guns and operating big trucks so he can feel big. There's the macho man, the metrosexual, foppish man, the man overly concerned about his appearance and his clothes, the angry, the abusive man, the spornosexual man, which is a relatively new category uh, that's been discussed in um, the media these days, the body-obsessed, foppish fellow, obsessed with his body, the spornosexual man, the milk-toasty man who cannot lead and who is easily manipulated the escapistic man playing games in the basement and avoiding all responsibility, or just getting drunk and taking the 100 exit ramps off the highway of reality. So that's, of course, a very commonplace today, the escapistic man. Then there's the workaholic man climbing the corporate ladder for all he's worth. Well, these are the various bad forms of masculinity that are all around us. And uh, today, David Murray joins me again. He's professor of Old Testament practical theology at Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, also the main player behind ChristianManAcademy.com. That's a new website available to anybody who's got access to the web, ChristianManAcademy.com. Well, David Murray now joins me on the Generations broadcast. David, it's good to have you back with us. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to chat with you again. I've actually learned a lot from you over the years on this subject, so I don't think I'll be teaching you anything today. <laughs> well, I think it'll be a good conversation because we're yeah. we're all trying to rediscover this. As I mentioned, I think, you know, my father made some progress and he was a good father. He taught us the word of God. He discipled six of us and all six are serving God in some capacity around the world. And and you know, and I'm growing in in some of these areas myself, but uh do you see yourself growing in your understanding of biblical masculinity? Oh, Kevin. 
I would love to go back again and, and do it all over, you know, with the lessons that I have learned, even even in the last year or two. And I think you put it very well. It, it, and it's not just a multi-generational quest, it's an every-generational quest. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all good ideas keep being lost and they have to be recovered. Mm. And also the cultural pressures um, attack in different areas at, at different times and therefore... You know, particular aspects of manhood are under attack in, in mm-hmm. different generations and therefore different defences are needed. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, this is not going to end. It's, it's, it's a battle we're going to be engaged in and future generations as long as the world's done. Mm. You know, this is what I think to be the most fundamental problem with every human society and the fundamental issue behind pretty much every social struggle, social problem in the family and the church. There are many problems, obviously, but this one being of extremely fundamental. And if, if this problem can be solved in, in any way, if, if, if there's any redemption in Jesus that can come to men, you know, the, 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 the consequences are good. I mean, it's, you know, we're going to start seeing massive redemption in other areas of life as well. Do you follow me there? Oh, definitely. There's there's no greater problem, but there's also no greater hope for change in society if this particular area of masculinity can be transformed in, I think you, you put your finger on it there, in a Christ-like way. Mm-hmm. And when you go back to all these models that you mentioned there, that, that horrendous list, well, some of them are just out-and-out sinful, but a lot of them have an element of truth in them, but carried to an extreme. And I think that's where so many modern ideas of man who go wrong. They, they take a good thing and they make it everything. Or they take a good thing, but they don't balance it with other good things. And that's where Jesus, as a man, was so different. Because obviously there was nothing sinful in him, but... He had that perfect combination of, uh, you might say, extremes. So he had um, an ability to be strong, but also an amazing ability to be gentle. Mm-hmm. He could speak truth to power, but he could also care for the weak. He would pursue justice, but also lift up the oppressed and the downtrodden. So he he had this just unparalleled perfection perfect balance of virtues that were exercised always at the right time, always in the right degree. And, and you know, these words that were spoken at the crucifixion, behold, the man, although not intended as a praise, it really was true. He was and is the man of men. Mm. You see on the cross, he's suffering for sinners. He's He's, he's fixing the, the biggest cosmic problems that face all of mankind. He's overcoming principalities and powers. And then he turns to John and says, behold your mother. And he turns to his mother and says, behold your son. He's taking care of his own mother at the same time that he's, he's solving the universal problems of all mankind for all eternity. Incredible. Just incredible to see the person of Christ. Both of these... Both of these are manliness, aren't they? And that's mm. the key, I think, that we're trying to combine these perfections in us, and, and we tend towards extremes. Mm. 
Well, how do we gain this balance? How do we get this back, David? Is it is it in the study of Scripture? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the key point, isn't it? There's, there's no other reliable model of manhood. If we get it from anywhere else, we are going to be imbalanced, we're going to be extreme, we're going to go wrong. And so we, we search the Scriptures, we have many examples in Scripture, many warnings in Scripture too, of bad men. But above all, as we've said, we have the God-man. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, to, to just be immersed in his life. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, we don't need to wait till the New Testament. We've got God's fatherhood and the Old Testament. It's so, you know, full of compassion and zeal and care and provision and protection and justice. And so, you know, from beginning to end, we have just a, a rich source to mine. And that's why, you know, I say to men, you will never be a man unless... You are reading the scriptures every single day of life. Mm. Otherwise, you're going to be just carried away into whatever cultural pressures and models are forced upon us. Mm. And it's a continual renewing of the mind that occurs. But the Bible brings this this metanoeo to us, this change Mm. of mind and perspective, this rebalancing. You know, I mean, there may be times in my life where I exhibited some courage— but then I think, mm. now, where was the compassion there? Right, where was the mercy? Right. Where, you know, there's always this reassessing of myself in my interactions uh, with the body of the church or with my interactions mm. with my wife and my children. I'm always mm. having to correct to what the Word of God brings to me. And, uh, and I think that's the Christian life, isn't it? That, that's the Christian life. And I think you make a great point there about, you know, the, the change of mind, the metanoia, you know. We don't just search the scriptures for the bits that talk about men. That that that's good, but we need the whole Bible training every part of our mind, retraining, giving us a new view of the world and of God. So it's not you know the Christian Man Academy is not just you know going to the twenty, thirty, forty place in scripture that talk about what a man is. But it's it's really trying to mine the whole of the scriptures and, and lay a foundation that will be broad, that will be strong, and that will reflect the balance of Scripture. And, and there's just there's no better way to, to become a, a better man than, mm. than to become a better reader of Scripture. David, how does theology play into this? Is, is it possible that a, that a man can't really be balanced in his practical living out of the Christian life unless he is is formed on a solid faith, a solid theology. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think we can envisage men doing the right thing at times, practically. Mm-hmm. They can do that without a theological foundation, but they won't do it consistently, mm-hmm. and they won't do it under pressure. And that's where a theological foundation is so vital for consistency, Mm. And in the face of pressure, if, if we don't have that, we will only do the right thing at times and at easy times. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. when we have got a, a theological foundation that's grounded in who God is and who we are before God, then we have something really solid and strong and supportive mm-hmm. to stand on, especially when we're swimming against the current. Mm. And without that, we're, we will be swept away. Mm. 
You know, there's a book that came out, I'm going to say 15 years ago, it's popular 15 years ago, it's called Wild at Heart, and I'm sure you remember the book, uh, but it posited that the Christian man has these desires that need to be met, the desire to fight, the desire for adventure, the desire to rescue the fair maiden. And, uh, you know, and I, as, as I interacted with that material, and I thought, you know, what does the Scripture say about this? It seems to me that the Scriptures don't speak as much to a man's desires as to a man's responsibilities. A man, a man is responsible for dominion. He's responsible for uh, shepherding. He's responsible for relationship. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not seeing that the priority for a man is to, is to recover his desires and to have his desires met as much as it is for a man to, to become a man by doing the things that God wants him to do. And that, that is to seek out God's desires first, mm. to seek mm. out God's purposes first. Does that make sense? It does, Kevin. You know, I think John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, was an understandable reaction to the culture, especially Christian culture, which was, you know, demonizing men, men you know, moving away from really raw masculinity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is one of the great tools of the devil to blur the distinctions between men and women. So Eldridge sees this and rightly sees it as wrong and damaging. And so he comes up with a model that will address it, but I fear went to an extreme with it. And that's just, that's just always our tendency. Mm-hmm. And if I recall, his book was based upon a, a false interpretation of, of one verse in particular, it's Genesis verse 8, but it says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And Eldridge took this and said, look, see, the man was made outside of the garden. He was made in the wilderness. That's where he belongs. That's his natural habitat. And therefore, men will be most satisfied and fulfilled when they are questing, when they are out for adventure, when they are in the wilderness. You know, he's wild at heart. But, you know, it actually says God put him in the garden, right? Right. <laughs> Whether right. he was made outside of it or not, he actually put him in the garden. And mm-hmm. as you said, Kevin, there he gave him responsibilities mm-hmm. to fulfill and relationships to nurture. He mm-hmm. was not to be wild mm-hmm. at heart. He was to be responsible at heart and relational at heart. And I, I believe that you can... You can still have that and have men who are, you know, outside men and who are questers and adventurers. But, you know, the core of the perfect man was responsibility and relationship. And again, with that foundation, mm-hmm. yes, when that's in place, yes, mm-hmm. he can, in addition, go and be an explorer and, and so on and so forth, that he can get his, his, his real fulfillment there. What are the key outcomes that we're looking for in terms of our family, in terms of our work, in terms of our life? What What is the man attempting to achieve 
in, in, in relation to family and church? Tough question, yeah. Uh, I think that the answer to that is going to vary in how it looks for different men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't want, if with the Christian Man Academy, I do not want to produce uh, even one more David Murray, uh, far less 100 or 1,000. Um, I, I want Christ-like men to be our aim. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm focused on giving practical help to men, but always insisting, you know, here are theological and biblical principles. Here's how they work out in my life. Now mm-hmm. apply them in your own life. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, the core of being a biblical man is taking biblical principles and prayerfully and practically working them out daily before God for you in your own particular calling in life. And therefore, you know, this is teaching that is suitable for the pastor, is suitable for the carpenter, for the painter, for the plumber, for the accountant, for the lawyer. And it, it really calls me into a close walk with God. And I think that is essentially um, what is at the core of biblical manhood. It's not a 10-state formula. It's not something you do a course on and you're done. It's a life, mm-hmm. a daily life, walking closely with God, depending on God, looking to God, and with that, applying biblical principles to every single situation that you face. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, Kevin, sometimes that will look like courage, and other times it'll look like gentleness. Sometimes it'll look like um, you know working, other times it'll look like resting. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's having each man work out the truth with a good conscience before God every single day of life. Mm-hmm. David, let's talk about risk. Uh, it seems that, that there is a difference between men and women. God has called men to a certain task, to be the head of the home, to be a shepherd in his home, to take dominion, to provide for the material needs of his home, First Timothy 5.8, lest he be called an infidel. Um, does this call for more risk? Is there a, a possibility of failure and do men fail when they they fear failure? In other words, is is is, <laughs> yeah. is, is failure something they need to get used to? I'm tracking. Yeah. yeah, I'm tracking with you, Kevin. I think you're you're putting your finger on a, on a key issue here. Um, you know the, the the mandate given to us is to lead, uh, to take the first steps forward, and you know even Genesis one, you know the the mandate to to step out into the world and cultivate it and bring order. All of these things involve a risk. You're not following, you're leading. You're not waiting for others to step, you're stepping. And so probably, you know, at the very essence of being a man is that willingness to take a risk. My, my wife will always say, David, you're, you're the risk taker and I'm the conservative here. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's right. Now, of course, we mustn't be foolhardy and, and rash and, and we need our wives to you know bring balance to us and, and caution and things like that but at the end of the day that is a biblical charge to us to lead and every act of leadership involves a risk mm-hmm. that you've taken a wrong decision mm-hmm. but you know speaking personally I have learned probably more from my failures than my successes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in some ways I regret my failures, in other ways I'm glad for them. I'd, I'd won very recently, and it's been just so spiritually beneficial for me. 
And I could have easily never gone down that path and therefore never failed. And yet, it wouldn't have been good for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I think even you know, to the very end of our lives, I was talking to an 81-year-old man over the last week, and he started writing a book in his 79th year. And he's just finished it. Now, he didn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. But he is like right to the end of his life, just taking a risk, stepping Amen. forward, taking initiative. Mm-hmm. And to me, even though he's looking so frail, he is being manly mm-hmm. in that right to the end of his days. A friend of mine gave me a favorite aphorism, fall forward. Okay. Fall forward. <laughs> yep. Isn't that good? Yep. You know, that says a lot. That. Two words that say a yep. lot. Fall forward. You know, you're going to fall, but at least make some progress. Learn something from your mistakes. <laughs> well, let's let's close on this because I, I think this is, is critical. I, again, I recommend everybody to your website, christianmanacademy.com, for your regular blog and uh, the videos as well. But uh, but you got a an article, Real Men Read the Bible. And I thought that's really core to what it is to be a Christian man. You gotta really be burrowing into the Word of God, and the Word of God needs to be in your heart. In fact, in Deuteronomy six seven, this just occurred to me. I've been teaching from this for a long time, but then I read it again and noticed that it said the Word of God shall first of all be in your heart, and then you teach it to your children as you sit in the house, as you walk by the way. It's so crucial for the father, for the man in the house, to have that Word of God in the heart. Not just on the lips, but in the heart. How does that happen, David? Yeah, living it out. I know that one of the motivations for me to start the Christian Man Academy was Jordan Peterson. And, mm. and you know, men are coming to our seminary here, young men, and, and they're very taken with with Jordan Peterson, mm-hmm. the Canadian professor who has you know been such a a big media star over the last year or two, and has, has ministered to many young men and, and done them a lot of good. But you know, as you listen to his material, and you can understand the attraction. He, he speaks a lot of sense. Yet, you know, the Bible is just one document of many. He, he scours Babylonian myths and psychology and philosophy and other religions, and he brings in some Bible now and again. And I just I get increasingly frustrated with it, and I thought, you know, we've got to provide an alternative. We we have to establish the primacy, the priority of the scriptures if we're going to see Christian men reformed in our day, in our generation. It involves living it out, but I think, as you said, Kevin, it involves actually getting it into the heart so that we're changing at the very root of our being, mm-hmm. that it's not just you know, we're, we're adding on um, good, good pieces of fruit, but we're, we're actually changed in our nature. And that involves meditation, involves memorization, mm-hmm. involves praying over the scriptures, involves discussing the scriptures with our wife, with other men, and just trying to work that word deeper and deeper and deeper into our hearts. And that takes time and it takes quiet. And these are the things that are sadly in very short supply in many men's lives, and that's why there's such a shallow spirituality mm. and why we're losing manliness. Mm. And so one of my, my strong, for myself too, I have to be honest, I've got to really work at this, is to claim the time, to claim mm. the quiet, mm. and to recognize I will never be manly or godly without this foundation. It's so critical to be in the Word on a daily basis. I was 
digging into the word at uh, four o'clock this morning, and uh, mm-hmm. it was it was burrowing in and uh, having an impact on me, and uh, mm-hmm. and I find I need to come back to it again and again uh-huh. and again. Uh, because this is really the basis of our relationship with God. He, he's communicating to us, and the Holy yep. Spirit's working through this to talk to us and to bring a living word to us on a daily basis. Yeah, that, I mean, I go back to that 80, 81-year-old man again. I, I saw him over the last week. Almost every time I, I, I looked at him, he had his Bible open. And, you know, there's one part of me that was saying, oh, you know, you're still reading the Bible at age 81 and, and reading it so much. And yet then, you know, that instinctive thought, was, you know, don't be ridiculous. Of course he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he is a man who's been a Christian for 60 years. Mm-hmm. And by his example, he's showing that it doesn't matter how long you've been in the way, how much you know the Bible, there's still more to know, there's still more to learn. And I want to be shaped by it, formed by it, right to the end of my days. Amen. David Murray is the main player behind ChristianManAcademy.com, a good resource for men, young and old. I'd recommend it to all that are listening. ChristianManAcademy.com is the website. David, thanks again for joining us on the Generations Broadcast. It has been a blessing. Thank you, Kevin. May God bless your labors to raise up godly men. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.